0: for those people I recommend not necessarily doing things behind the scenes but looking towards the business side of things looking towards the marketing side of things because I'm not saying that anybody can make a podcast but if you don't know how to then get that podcast out into the world what good does it do for you, you know?
1: Ariel Nissenblatt is the founder of the Earbuds Podcast Collective.
0: Yeah, I have a number of sponsors for Trailer Park, the podcast, Trailer Podcast, and I secured those sponsors, you're right, before the first episode dropped. How did I do that? Such a great question. I asked.
1: As uh, so he's a podcast marketing and audience growth
0: enthusiast. Some of these advertising partners were people that I knew beforehand, but how did I know them beforehand? Yeah, you're right. It's from my reputation. It's from working really hard in the podcast space over the years, going to to events, shaking hands, talking about what I can do in exchange, really proving my value. So if you know your show is about X, Y, and Z, and you have a good sense that your show is going to reach X number of people, you can sell that.
1: Why is it important for a podcast to have a trailer?
0: Trailers are awesome. Trailers are such a great way to learn about a podcast. But how do you make that into something digestible? How do you make that into an elevator pitch? How do you, if I bump into you and I say, what's your podcast about? And I am not looking for a long explanation. How do you tell me that in just a few sentences?
1: Let's say right off the back of this interview, you were like, I want to make another podcast right now. Where would you begin? Do
0: I have the idea already?
1: Let's start with generating the idea then.
0: Well, I wouldn't make one if I didn't have an idea. I think too many people do that too many people do that they're like ah you know i've got a kernel of an idea but also i just kind of want to hear my own voice don't make it for that reason if you're then going to go on on twitter or different social platforms and be like why don't i have any listeners that's why it's because you didn't have a conviction you didn't have a real idea you didn't flesh out the idea
1: Hello and welcome to Tom Meets Interesting People. This is the podcast where I meet everyone from voice actors to nuclear engineers to talk about their work, their projects and their processes. Now, when I started podcasting last year, I think I did more research than anyone could. I read every single bit of info I could find. I read every single news article, I read every single Wikipedia page, I read every single Reddit, per, Reddit post, and of course that approach only gets you so far, and soon you can be overwhelmed. Uh, so I went to Twitter, you know, as you do, and my guest today is the first name that showed up and finally gave me a little bit of clarity. Arielle Nissenblatt is the founder of the Earbuds Podcast Collective. She's a community manager at Squadcast.fm. Uh, She's a podcast marketing and audience growth enthusiast. Founder of the podcast uh, Taxonomy, which is an international effort to categorise roles and credits within the podcast industry. And she is the co-host of the Sounds Profitable podcast and recently launched a podcast about podcast trailers, which I, I just absolutely adore that. Uh, Arielle, warmest welcome to you. My first question, I always like to start with this. I like to start with the context, just kind of why you do what you do. Uh, so, sorry I didn't mention you in the intro there, you're a graduate of the Salt Institute of Audio Documentary Studies and then in 2017 you started working in the audio and podcasting space. So, what are the things? What are the factors that made you go? Yes, this is what I want to do.
0: A number of things. First of all, thank you for having me. You're I'm very <laughs> excited to be here. That was a lovely introduction. <laughs> um, factor number one was I was a recent college grad. I studied geography in college, and while I loved maps and geographic information systems and population and demographics and migration patterns and the inter- I could go on all day. I, I still love geography while that's the case. I did not see an immediate path to um, making a living. Not that podcasting is that much more straightforward, but I did have a background in working at nonprofits from you know, internships during college. So after college, I, I began to work at different nonprofits Uh, factor number two, I did not love working at a bunch of different nonprofits. I did not find it very fulfilling. I found the organizational structures to be tough to navigate. Um, Although I did make some really great friends that I am still friends with to this day. And my first job out of college actually introduced me to podcasts in a really big way because we drove around a lot and I spent a lot of time in the car listening to podcasts and that really got me hooked. Factor number three, I moved to Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a car city and it is also a traffic city. And I think that it is one of the most creative cities in the world because people are stuck in traffic Mm -hmm. all the time and they have to be thinking constantly about fun new ideas. So I came up with a lot of great ideas while in traffic in Los Angeles. Factor number four, I was a big podcast listener first before I decided to work in the podcast space and factor number five, I'm always seeking out new fun facts and podcasts are such a great way to learn new fun facts and to just be constantly inspired by new ideas. So all of these things came together and made me say, I need to work in the podcast space, whatever that means.
1: Mm. All right. Brilliant. Um, so we go back to that first project you did then. Um, after all of the ideas tell me about that how did that go was that a great success or was that a let's not talk about it
0: the first project being my podcast newsletter
1: yeah. tell, tell me about that
0: yeah so in 2017 so the first thing that i did in the podcast space moved to los angeles in 2016 i was of course like i said driving around all the time and My first idea popped up, which was, you know, I want to work in the podcast space, but I don't know how to get a job because I thought that the only way to work in the podcast space was to be in production, but I couldn't find a job in production because in order to work in production, you need to have experience in production. It's tough, right? So I decided, let me start a thing of my own that works twofold. Number one, it allows me to listen to more podcasts. And number two, it makes me somebody who has taken initiative in Doing what I love. So I wanted to listen to more podcasts. I was listening to five or six every week, waiting for them to drop new episodes. Loved them. They were blowing my mind, but I wanted to have my mind blown 15 times a week. And I knew it was possible because I knew that there were hundreds of thousands at that point of podcasts to listen to, but I didn't know how to choose the ones that were worth my time. So I thought if I share my five favorite podcasts and I have my friends share their five, And if I have my friends share their five favorite podcasts and their friends and so on and so forth, we can constantly have curated lists of pre-vetted great Mm -hmm. audio content to check out. So that's the premise of the newsletter. It's called Earbuds Podcast Collective. It goes out every Sunday night and there's a theme and five podcast episodes on that theme. And each week is curated by a different person. I have been sending it out every Sunday night since February 13th, 2017. So... It is definitely something that I still like to talk about and it is still definitely something that was a success depends on how you define success. You know what I mean? Like this newsletter, I'm not saying it's making me thousands and thousands of dollars every month, but it has gotten me every single yeah. job that I have gotten in the podcast space. And it has made me some great friends along the way. And it has taught me about email marketing It has taught me about writing and has taught me about mar- everything. I am really proud that i did that newsletter and i still do that newsletter and i can't wait to see what it brings and continues to change and evolve and i now i hire people to help me with it and it's just been um i'm just proud of myself for starting that really if, when i think back
1: yeah because i think also you stumbled across something there as well because uh, people do want podcast recommendations don't they they want to kind of be like someone who's got that trusted voice to just say here's some good ones but i think also another factor I don't know if you thought about this or not. Um that kind of helped you out there was consistency. Oh Every yeah. Every week since 20 what was that again 2017? Yeah. 17. Like it's been 6 years yeah. plus. I mean consistency is key if you asked yours Russell and I think I think you have definitely found the key um, there. But what about your first audio project? How how did that go?
0: Yeah. I for a while, thought that I would never have a podcast. I thought, even in 2017, I was like, there are so many podcasts out there, even then, and now there are more. And I said, it doesn't need to be me. It could be somebody else. I can help other people make podcasts. But after a few years, I was giving a lot of advice on making shows, producing them, choosing the right microphones, marketing to a certain extent, how to find places to record in Los Angeles. I I was managing a podcast studio and I thought I should have some experience creating, uploading, marketing it for myself. And so I decided that I wanted to start a podcast to go alongside the podcast recommendation newsletter. So in October of 2019, so about two and a half years after the start of the newsletter, I created a companion podcast to the newsletter. Usually people do this the opposite way. They have a Podcast, and then they create a newsletter to go along with that. I have a newsletter, and then I have a podcast to go along with my newsletter. And the way that the podcast works is that i it's just me, and I read aloud the, the a bit of the newsletter. I, I make it a little bit more exciting than just reading off of yep. the page. And then I include voice clips from the curator of that week's theme talking about why they selected that list of podcast recommendations. And I have definitely – changed the podcast up over the years when i first started it it was just me reading then about six months later i decided i wanted to conduct interviews so i started interviewing the curators and asking them about the podcast that they selected and why they selected them and why they really love these episodes and why this theme is important to them and then i realized that that was hours and hours and hours and hours and hours (laughs) hours of my week and i wasn't getting that many downloads so i decided to pivot it is okay to pivot And now I do sort of the happy middle, which is I am mostly the only person talking, but then I do about a five to seven minute voice clip from the curator. And I am not saying that that's the end product. Things could change. Things should change. I often change things up when it comes to segments within the newsletter, segments within the podcast. So that, that was my first audio project. But I definitely, before putting out my own thing into the world, helped other people put things out into the world like i said i was managing a podcast studio at a co-working space in los angeles so i was talking to a lot of businesses about what podcasts should mean for their business or a lot of individuals who wanted to start shows and sort of advising them on those things
1: is that a route you'd you'd recommend starting behind the scenes first and then going into producing the podcast yourself like for any maybe people who are listening to this that might be thinking "I, i might want a podcast
0: Not necessarily. I think every person's path is different. I do, however, recommend, I I speak with a lot of recent college grads, a lot of women, sometimes women who are doing a career pivot, who want to get into the podcast space. And for them, they, I speak to a lot of people who want to be producers. They want to work on a show. They want to sometimes host the show, but more often than not, they want to help with the storyboarding. They want to help with, you know, cutting and chopping and making sure that the story is intriguing the whole way through and it can be really hard to get those jobs and and to find jobs that are consistent like it it is possible to find a few freelance gigs but if you want to be hired full-time at a production house that can be really hard to come by and it is because there are so many people who are so great at it and for those people i recommend not necessarily doing things behind the scenes but looking towards the business side of things, looking towards the marketing side of things, because I'm not saying that anybody can make a podcast, but I am saying that you can learn Pro Tools and you can be great great at Pro Tools, but if you don't know how to then get that podcast out into the world, what good does it do for you? You know, like, so, I, so my recommendation is learn marketing, learn what it takes to market a podcast and learn Pro Tools. And then get a job on the marketing side of the podcast space or the business side of the podcast space or the advertising side. And then, you know, make it clear to your employer that you also are interested in this side of things or you pivot in your next career. But I'm here to say that I think marketing is actually an extremely, extremely creative aspect of the podcast space. And people don't think about that. And I can get more into that in a second because it's not immediately obvious, but I am... I am very creatively fulfilled. I, I do also work on the creative side of podcasting, but the marketing side is so yeah, much fun.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause in your bio, uh, it, it says uh, podcast marketing and audience growth enthusiast. So I, I did actually want to ask you about that. Can you, can you sort of expand uh, upon that? Yes.
0: I am very enthusiastic about <laughs> podcast audience growth. <laughs> I am really passionate about growing the podcast space. I, listen to a lot of podcasts. Like I said, I have been listening to a lot of podcasts since 2017. I hope other people do too. My goal is to get more people to listen. And that's because it has been so awesome for me. And I just want, if anybody can experience a percentage of the excitement that I feel towards audio, that would be really great for them. (laughs) So I think the reason I'm so obsessed with audio is because I've never been a huge reader. I don't sit down at the end of the day and open a book. I don't wake up in the morning and open a newspaper. I don't even, you know, pull out my phone and read. I pull out my phone and I press play on a podcast episode. And I am able to synthesize information really efficiently and deeply when I listen to yeah. something and I want other people who think, Oh, I'm not a big reader. I don't, I, you know, so I don't read the news because I just, I can, it doesn't capture my attention or I'm not a big reader. So I don't read nonfiction or I don't expose myself to stories about X, Y, and Z. Maybe audio is for you. So the reason I'm so, so passionate about audio is because I want other people to discover this possibility. If it's within them.
1: And you mentioned audio there has been being a, being a wonderful, wonderful platform. Um, I think also for for the content i love i adore conversations and i adore the connections people make that's why i've made this podcast i want to connect with other people and i i looking at other forms of media you can kind of sort of get it with 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 of like mainstream talk shows but you don't get it as deep as you do in uh, in in the podcasting space over in the uk in the uk we got uh stephen bartlett with diary of ceo some of the most impactful mm. interviews how he gets through two a week i don't know oh my gosh a big yeah, team massive team of 30 people um which is i can't even fathom that for one podcast that's a yeah. lot yeah um something else i might pick up on as well is maybe this has come with your experience and your reputation but i noticed you were kind of ad friendly very quickly so to give you give you context for that i noticed with trailer park you had your giveaway ready to go um and from my perspective as someone who's still in this first year um that feels almost insane to have that sort of thing in place, that agreement in place with the podcast not even made yet so how does one reach that stage professionally
0: yeah i have a number of sponsors for Trailer Park, the podcast, Trailer Podcast. And I secured those sponsors, you're right, before the first episode dropped. How did I do that? Such a great question. I asked, I reached out and I asked. And yes, some of these um, some of these advertising partners were people that I knew beforehand, but how did I know them beforehand? Yeah, you're right, it's from my reputation. It's from working really hard in the podcast space over the years, going to events, shaking hands, talking about what I can do in exchange, really prov- proving my value. And I'm not saying that everybody can do that right off the bat. And I'm not saying that everybody has the time to do that, but there are versions of this that you can do. So if you know your show is about X, Y, and Z, and you have a good sense that your show is going to reach X number of people, you can sell Mm -hmm. that. You can write a pitch letter, write something impactful, write something that will clearly show the value of what you're trying to give to an audience, send that to somebody, let them know why it will behoove them to be in front of your audience. And then, negotiate something sometimes people like to monetize for the wrong reasons they like to monetize because they so that they can say that they're monetized that is not a good enough reason to monetize i decided that i wanted to have these products and services uh being featured prominently on trailer park the podcast trailer podcast because i genuinely use these products and services so i thought if i'm going to talk about them anyway i might as well get paid for it but if you are looking to make $3 for every 1,000 listeners that you have, if it's that low of a CPM, or if if you're looking to do an affiliate deal just to say that you did an affiliate deal, um, that's probably not worth it because you need to think about what your audience is going to have to sit through in order to listen to your content. Is your content good enough yeah. for that? Do you have enough listeners that that it'll actually make sense for you to have an advertiser? So there's a lot that goes into this, but for me, I knew that I was going to be promoting these products and services anyway. I want this podcast not only to be entertaining to listeners and educational for creators, but also a resource for creators and for Mm. listeners. So the products and services that we talk about are great for creators, digital creators, um, and and just people who love the podcast industry.
1: And I might be looking for a new mixer soon anyway. Uh.
0: (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) Have you entered the contest? I
1: I haven't, no.
0: Um, You should. I didn't know, can I I do it in the UK? Uh, Yes, I, I believe so. Trailer Park, the podcast, Trailer Podcast. <laughs> I keep doing the full name. I love um, it, I love it though. <laughs> our, our presenting sponsor is the Vocaster from Focusrite, which is an audio interface. And it just makes your audio quality sound really great. So Dan Hughley, who's a friend from Shaken Hands years back at a podcast conference, and we just stayed in touch. He is making a big marketing push for the Vocaster from Focusrite. And when I told him about Trailer Park, the podcast, Trailer Podcast, he said, what if we give away one vocaster on every episode and you can shout it out in the in your ads but you can also put it in the show notes you can also put it on social so we've given away uh right, we've already recorded six episodes we've given away five vocasters so far and it is just so yeah. much
1: fun yeah and it can really make like i'm still learning about the equipment but definitely the right equipment can help um, a lot uh, but yeah, we have gone careening into Trailer Park, and I, I personally fell in love with the concept. But for those who missed the feed drop that I put during during my break, can you tell us how uh, could you? About, yeah, how could you? How could you miss that? Go, go back, go back, listen to it now. Uh, <laughs> how? Um, I nearly, I nearly asked the question. How could you? Um, can you tell me about Trailer Park?
0: The idea behind the show is that. Trailers are awesome. Trailers are such a great way to learn about a podcast. And about, I want to say half a year ago, I was listening to a bunch of trailers while I was with a friend, uh, another podcast listening friend. We were on a road trip and we wanted to figure out what to listen to next. So we went to Apple and we went to the new and noteworthy section. And a lot of the podcasts that are featured on new and noteworthy have trailers and the way Apple podcasts, displays, trailers, makes it really easy to hit play and get a taste of the show before you commit to listening to the rest of it. So we hit play on a bunch of different trailers. And I thought this is such a fun way to kind of hit shuffle and decide what you want to listen to, what you want to land on. So I thought, what if there was an entire show dedicated to the concept of trailers? And some of those trailers can be for shows that exist and have been around for a really long time. Some of those trailers can be for shows that were never made. Maybe the trailer was just made for fun and anything in between. So we encourage people to submit trailers of their own. Again, like I said, whether it's for trailers that the seasons are ongoing, or if it's for trailers that um, you made because you just wanted to play around with audio. And we select a few trailers and each episode features one trailer. We then talk about that trailer a little bit, tell you about what we think um, went into the production, what we liked, what we didn't like, what we could do without, what we couldn't miss. And then we t- tell you about the people that make Trailer Park possible because the sponsors really are, it's not supposed to be seen as an ad. It's supposed to be seen as legitimately great content that helps you understand why these products and services yeah. are great for you as a content creator yeah. as
1: well. I think that's also why like, podcasts can be a good platform for companies and creatives to sort of collaborate and work together. Be more than just a kind of um just the ad read from better um yeah podcasts are a wonderful space for that because you can you can work together can't you
0: everything in podcasting rests on the idea of collaboration mm-hmm. in order to grow your show you need to be working with yeah. other shows in order to get your podcast in front of another audience you need to allow another podcast in front of your audience that's what's commonly referred to as cross promos or cross uh, promo swaps things like that being a guest on another show, like we're doing right now is such a great way for me to meet your audience. Then I'm going to talk about your show on my show, and then they're going to meet you and then maybe listen to your show. So podcasters in general understand this. This is a concept that is well maintained within audio is that we kind of need to be nice to each other because that's how we grow.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's better to be nice than it is to be be sort of um, Lord Sugar on the Apprentice. Um, Now, Something I wanted to ask you as well. I feel like I should rename this podcast to something I wanted to ask you because that's like my (laughs) Colombo phrase. Um, Trailer Park works on the concept that trailers are important. So we've kind of hinted at it there, but let's expand now. Why is it important for a podcast to have a trailer?
0: I break it down to three reasons. The first is that it forces you as a creator to distill your content You have hours and hours of tape. You have hours and hours of audio uh, interviews and concepts and things that are making up your show. But how do you make that into something digestible? How do you make that into an elevator pitch? How do you, if I bump into you and I say, what's your podcast about? And I am not looking for a long explanation. How do you tell me that in just a few sentences? A trailer allows you to do that. It allows you to give your audience a taste. so I think it's a really great exercise to get into every few seasons to create a new trailer for your show. What is the one minute version of your show? How do you entice me in one minute? How do you entice me with 30 seconds? How do you entice me with 90 seconds? So you can play around with this, even if you don't publish these things, even if it's something that you just write out for the sake of practice. That's number one. Number two is Apple, Spotify, PocketCasts, a few other podcast apps allow you or or your hosting provider needs to allow you to mark something as a trailer and then in those podcast listening apps they'll be displayed as a trailer so as i was mentioning before with the new and noteworthy on apple podcasts makes it really easy to hit play on a trailer which means that potential listeners can get a taste of your show so that if your episodes are normally an hour plus that's a really long long episode and that that's a lot for somebody who doesn't know you you're not famous to commit to so if you have a trailer they can get a sense of who you are they can hit play on just 30 60 or 90 seconds and then they can decide you know what all right I I like the trailer I'm going to give it a try and number three is it allows you to do something newsy before your show actually launches you can drop your trailer Up to, you know, there's no rules for this. I say usually two weeks before the first episode of your show drops and that populates your feed and makes it so that you can pitch to other shows and say, hi, um, I have a podcast coming in two weeks. The trailer is out now. Would you consider tacking my trailer onto the end of your next episode as a way of letting your listeners know that I have a show coming? And somebody might be interested in doing this if your show aligns with their show or if they like you. So I like it for marketing purposes, too.
1: Hey everyone, hope you're enjoying that conversation with Ariel right now. I know I'm learning so much about the podcasting business, getting a little bit of tough love. But you know what? I think that's something that we all need just a little bit to get us on the straight and narrow and to achieve the stuff that we want to achieve. Now, I want to tell you about another podcast that I absolutely love called Unleash Your Inner Creative. This is hosted by Lauren LaGrasso, who is a Webby Award honoree a uh, podcast host, as you can assume, a uh, producer, singer, songwriter, and creative coach. And what I love about this show is that it sits at that intersection of mental health, spirituality, self-development, and that creative process. And it's like this holistic approach to creativity. And each week, Lauren's going to give you the tools that you need to begin to love, trust, and know yourself enough to claim your birthright to creativity and pursue your dreams. A bit like me, she has a wide variety of guests on her show to help her out as well, uh, such as the author of The Artist Ways, Julia Cameron, NPR's Guy Rass, and Celebrity Brain Coach Jim Quick. And my favourite episode, I think, is Osan Fowles' episode, and I found myself connecting with pretty much everything that he was saying, including how you listen to your body, and a lot of what he was talking about was tied into my degree in psychology. I'm also reminded of the book, The Body Keeps the Score, which is something that I highly recommend. You both read the book and listen to this podcast as well. So new episodes of Unleash Your Inner Creative will come out every Wednesday, and you can listen now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever good podcasts are found. Hey everyone, I'm taking advantage of the fact that I have a podcast to run ads about my own company. Bear with me, I gotta pay the bills. I'm sorry. (laughs) So I run a company called Tom Sanson Tutoring that provides tutoring services, as you can imagine, uh, for students from Key Stage One all the way up to Key Stage Four. I also throw in 11 plus tutoring, uh, starting from Year Four, and psychology for adult learners. And my whole thing is, I will support your child to build their confidence and their knowledge. And I've got a track record of making maths a lot less scary for my students by breaking down complex uh, topics into bite-sized chunks and using the student's own reference points and interests to guide the session. If this is something you're interested in, check out my website, thomaslandertutely.com, and there is a contact form right at the bottom. Give me your deets. I will get back to you as soon as I possibly can, unless it's like 3.30 a.m., in which case I'm asleep. How does one even begin... To make a trailer let's say for instance um you're talking to someone who had an interview podcast with a sizable amount of content and uh, hosted by i'm just gonna think of a name off the top of my head uh, not tom maybe john and uh, perhaps it might, it might be called john meets boring people um see what i did there where would john <laughs> begin with that
0: how would john make a trailer um, John would, would consider a number of things. First, does John want this trailer to be more epic cinematic or does John want to do more of an in-universe trailer? And there's more options in this, but these are the two that I'll focus on right now. The epic sounding one would be something more like you'd hear in a movie, which is like in a world where this happens, then this happens, then this happens, and it all happens on this podcast, right? <laughs> so maybe it's like you really explaining – Face to the camera or, or mouth to the microphone. Hi, I'm this person. Here's what my show is about. Here's why I make the show. Here's where you can find it and here's when you can find it. Very straightforward. Another way to do it would be to take clips from some of the interviews that you've done, and then at the end of it, you say that you can find all of that and more on John meets in, John meets Boring People or whatever the name <laughs> of your show is dropping on this day at this time. And those are just two options, and you don't have to choose between them. You know trailers are short trailers should be short i have heard trailers that are five minutes that's too long that's more of a teaser um of course i i'll reiterate this there are no rules so you could make a trailer that is 10 minutes long and somebody might say that's not a trailer i'll say you know what there's an Mm -hmm. argument for everything yeah (laughs) but i will say i think it's important to keep it short so that as i said before your potential listeners can just give it a try and also it forces you to cut things it forces you to kill your darlings a little bit so see what you can do in 30 seconds see what you can do in 60 seconds see what you can do in 90 seconds see what you can do with an in-universe trailer see what you can do with a um with a more cinematic show or trailer see what you can do with a more cinematic trailer and just have fun with it and drop a few trailers and then reiterate and do it again and do it do something different for your next one because there's
1: no limit to trailers uh, how many trailers you can make as well uh which i've just realized um, so I'll pass that information over to John, um, on this totally, uh, made up, uh, <laughs> Totally <laughs> hypothetical. Um, but yeah, so let's now kind of talk about the process of making a podcast itself. Um, I, I swear you have been involved in more projects than I've had hot dinners. Um, let's say right off the back of this interview, you were like, I want to make another podcast right now where would you begin
0: do i have the idea already
1: let's start with generating the idea then
0: well i wouldn't make one if i didn't have an idea i think too many people do that too many people do that they're like ah you know i've got a kernel of an idea but also i just kind of want to hear my own voice don't make it for that reason or if look if you want to have fun go have fun but if you're then going to go on on twitter or different social platforms and be like why don't i have any listeners that's why it's because you didn't have a conviction you didn't have a real idea you didn't flesh out the idea. So definitely have an idea first, have a reason for doing this. So, okay, if I have the idea and I'll just do a theoretical one, I tweeted in July of 2021, I tweeted the following phrase, a podcast where parents try to explain what their adult children do for a living. I I had a shower thought and the shower thought was how funny would it be to hear my dad explain podcasting? And then I was like, there should be an entire podcast about this (laughs) with parents from around the world talking about their kids from all over. And I did end up making a trailer for the show. I conducted a whole set of interviews. I made a pitch deck for it. So how did I go about doing that? I I wrote it out. I said, here's what a season one could look like. Here's how long I think each episode should be. Here are my goals for the show. Here's who I think the total addressable market is. Here are the potential promo opportunities that I think. Here are the publications that I think might be interested in covering the news of the launch here are the apps that I think would do a good job spreading the word. And I would do a good job spreading the word of their app. Uh, so I wrote out all of my partners. I wrote out all of the people that I would like to get press from and all the people that I would like to be collaborating with. And then I went about signing up for Squadcast, and which is a remote recording platform. And then I went about finding a podcast hosting site that I wanted to be hosting on. And then I thought about what it would look like if I wanted to have advertisers ahead of time or if I wanted to do that later on. And then I thought about who I was going to interview. And then I went about setting up those interviews and then editing those interviews. And then thinking about who I wanted to... Uh, give some of the post-production work to because I can't do this all on my own not only can I not do this all on my own I don't want to I'm not the best at it somebody else is so I hire my friend Daniel Turek who's amazing robotslap.com if you are interested in hiring Daniel he's amazing (laughs) I really I give him free promo all the time um so those are some of the things that I did it's really
1: interesting to see the parallel with um uh, with my experience, because I sort of, I was thinking about this for a little while. I knew I wanted to do interviews. I knew I was a big fan of James Lipton, a big fan of Stephen Bartlett, um, a big fan of all the other all the other interview podcasts that, that are out there. And I was like, I want that for myself. And so I kind of ended up just stumbling into it. I think I did a lot of reading and then I just sort of went and made the first episode. But I think looking back now, with what I know, what you've told me, I would definitely go about it a bit differently.
0: What would you do differently?
1: Um, everything you just mentioned.
0: Because there's no right. There's no right answer. You know, like I, I, I do think a lot of people fall into the trap of, oh, this podcast guru should, said I should do yeah. it like this. And I have messed up and I can never take it back. There are no rules. You should even be questioning everything that I'm mm-hmm. saying, down to the fact that I'm saying you should be questioning yeah. this. Maybe you shouldn't be questioning so this. I questioned mm, this.
1: Mind <laughs> <is>. <laughs> <laughs> Now, honestly, though, I would, from the start, I I would actually be going for in person as opposed to, um, even mm-hmm. though I absolutely love the opportunities that now connecting across the internet to guests in America, or Australia, um, in India, um, and I think Italy in the first season as well. Um, yeah wow. i definitely want to at some point have done in person i almost wish like I, j- I got the equipment um to kind of do that where do at you UK. live okay um just north of uh, london keen so it's about half an hour from london
0: so are, is there a podcast studio
1: by you not in mk but i think there's one probably about 30 minutes drive i could be wrong on that i know there's definitely a couple in london itself
0: Oh, many. I, I love in-person recordings. As I said, I used to manage a podcast studio and the business, you know, only succeeded if people came in to record in person. Now I work for a remote re- recording platform, Squadcast. And I'm not saying that you need to do one or the other, but I am definitely not saying that you need to be only recording in person. But I think um, I, I think not having such rigidity is really important so I, i actually think you're doing the right thing like if you meet somebody in the uk who you can meet to record in person awesome but like i think defaulting to remote recording is so fine we are speaking so fast right now. Our conversation is flowing. I think it's flowing just as it would if we were in person. The only thing is that if we were in person, I'd be worried about making (laughs) eye contact with you in the right way. So honestly, this is better to me. (laughs) You know what? I've
1: been worried about the eye contact too. Uh, (laughs) I've got lazy eyes, so uh, I don't know if it comes through much. uh,
0: no, it doesn't. But, like, you know what does is, like, I feel awkward sometimes. And, like, sometimes I want to look to the side or I want to look up. I want to look down. And that is a little less noticeable when I'm not in person. And so, I don't know. I, I really like the – I feel a little bit more comfortable in my own home. Yeah. Got this mic. I got this mic stand. I can, you know, mute if I need to burp. Like, <laughs> there's just so much, so much I can do. <laughs>
1: and economically as well, it's definitely a bit more viable. Mm-hmm. Um, this yeah. was 30 pounds. This – Zoom h2 um i i love it it's one that i used years ago when i was at school yeah it's old it's 2007 but with a little bit of audacity magic it sounds good i think so let's go back to the idea that we had uh with uh, parents explaining the jobs of their children uh we've got everything kind of in place you have um even planned to talk to other podcasts, uh, plan to connect with different uh, news um, outlets, different publications. So that's obviously some of the answer, but then how do you go about the marketing aspect afterwards?
0: Yeah. What would I do for the marketing? I guess it depends on how you're distributing your podcast because for a show like Trailer, uh, sorry, for a show like Parents Explain, which is what I am theoretically calling it until I come up with something different. And by the way, this show does not exist. I really, I have done a few interviews and I have those on the back burner if I ever do want to use them. But um, I imagine that if I were to go into production on this, I would redo just because it's already been almost two years since the idea. Um, And I probably have some more thoughts or have improved as a host. So yeah, I'd want to do things a little bit differently. But it could be that I want to join a network or I want to distribute it through an organization like iHeartMedia or another organization like Stitcher or something else if they would have me. Um, and there are other smaller organizations that could be interested as well. There could be that it would be a perfect podcast for a parenting um, mm-hmm. network. You know, There's so many possibilities. So if that were the case, I would need to negotiate Things. So, for example, sometimes if you join a network, there are some built in opportunities for cross promotion. But then you might also want to do some cross promotion on your own because maybe the cross promotion within the network is not as far reaching as you could reach if you were to strike out on your own. So, once you have the potential distribution plan in place, you might want to make your own plan. So, my recommendation is always to make a list of shows that you want to be collaborating with in some way. It could be 10 shows, it could be five shows, it could be 70 shows. Figure out how you want to be working with them. Do you want to be a guest on their show? Should they be a guest on your show? Does it make sense to have guests on your show? Or would that be kind of taking away from the idea behind your show? Different shows have different needs. Different shows have different possibilities. Should you be pitching your podcast to be featured by the New York Times? Is that even a possibility? Do you know anybody at the New York Times? Do you think you have potential listeners reading the New York Times? Do you have any connections at a local parenting magazine? Do you have any connections at a local alumni magazine, or do you have any connections at an alumni magazine for an institution that you used to be a part of and they might be interested in covering you? So make a list of every single possible place that you could go after getting a backlink or getting a mention or getting a shout out or getting a social post to mention you and try to have this all time around the time of the launch of your show so that there's really a boom, so that you get a lot of people in so that when people listen and they love it, they're gonna stay subscribed so that they listen to every single episode as it comes out.
1: All right, fantastic. Uh, Thank you for that, Ariel. I have a bit of a tradition on this podcast and I like to close out the podcast with a questionnaire, but it's not just any questionnaire. It is the Proust Questionnaire that was later adapted by Bernard Pivot, uh, and then later by James Lipton. And now I present my uh, podcasting adaptation to yourself. It used to be 19 questions. It's now 10. I'm probably going to cut it down a little bit at some point. Question one. What is your favorite word?
0: This is fun. Um, The first thing that came to me was flabbergasted. But I think that's just because in fourth grade, when we were talking about our favorite words, that was the word that I said was my favorite mm-hmm. word. Um, other than that, I have a favorite word to type, which is together. It's fun to type that word. Um, my favorite word, like like to say or to be described as, is, are there any qualifications or favorite it's just word? favorite words? just
1: whatever you fight with.
0: Okay. Okay, then I feel like I should go with flabbergasted because yeah. it's the first word that came to my mind.
1: What is your least favorite word? Rectal. Good <laughs> God. Um... I'm not explaining <laughs> no, no, that one. No, it's just don't. gross. <laughs> what engages you?
0: Walking tours.
1: And what disengages you?
0: Sitting down to read.
1: Um, tell me about those walking tours. Like, what do you what do you enjoy about them? Because, like, I for me, walking is going outside i don't like it it's cold <laughs> and it's wet and, and a few weeks ago we had snow at 8 a.m and then it was sunny at 3 Ugh. 3 p.m and we're like what like, tell me tell me about your walks
0: every city i go to i look for a walking tour because to me it's just such a beautiful way of it's like a podcast but with things that you can look at and touch so I, I, for me, it's the, my favorite way to discover a new city. And I travel a lot. So everywhere I go, I seek out a walking tour. There's often free walking tours and you, you pay by tip. And it
1: is the best. Fair dues, fair dues. I like to stay in a hotel because it's warm. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love?
0: Uh, tennis ball, like the tennis ball hitting. Uh, I was playing tennis this morning and I just really liked the rhythm of the game that I was playing. Kind
1: of like if you've got like the right obvious as well, it can echo, can't it? Like when it hits, yeah. I think it's like, I think depending mm-hmm. on the on the ground. Um, I can say smart things. <laughs> what... <laughs> <laughs> um, what sound or noise do you hate?
0: Any sort of, I think, I think it's, I want to say it's high-pitched sounds, but I'm not really sure. The nails on the chalkboard thing really is disgusting to me. And I know that's a cliche, but it, you can yep. feel it in your yep. body.
1: Yep. No, Yep, totally. Yep.
0: It's really gross. I'm thinking about yep. it right now. Uh, it's amazing that the, that your brain can recall that sound and make you feel gross, too. It is
1: quite fascinating, actually. Because, like, we can just spark these memories in each other. Just with, like, a few yep. key words. And that gets us, yep. that gets us um, irritated by, this, by the by thought of, of chalk. Yeah. Um, I've got another one, polystyrene. When you take Ugh. buy something, and then you take um, you, you take out uh, take out a, a, a. Oh, I know yeah. what you're talking about. Ugh. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> um, question seven, everyone's favorite question, and mine too. What is your favorite curse word?
0: Well, I went to London in November, and I noticed that when people say like, when people are shocked at something they say fuck off (laughs) and i love that and it's not quite a curse i mean fuck is a curse but i just now i say fuck off for everything
1: (laughs) we do like our swears over here we we
0: but i really like because it's like in in the u.s you'd say no way but here you say fuck off there you say fuck off (laughs) and and, and it's you like my accent that's my accent
1: totally totally um question eight what profession other than your own would you like to attempt
0: emergency room doctor
1: what profession would you not like to do
0: like be a clergy person i think people needing me all the time for spiritual duties would drain Mm. me
1: yeah uh finally last question if you could say only one statement to any one person what would that statement be and who would that person be
0: i would say Forgive me. I only can say one statement. Hopefully, that would excuse the fact that I can only say one, say one statement, and I would say it to my sister Margot because then she could be my mouthpiece. Is that genius or stupid? That's
1: genius. No
0: one's Thank ever you. gotten around what do other people before? say from that? Uh- <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh- um. And I think that's also a very good reason as to why people should follow you on social media. What are your handles?
0: If you want to follow me on Twitter, which is where I'm most active, I'm at Ari This and That. A R I This and That. And then everywhere else, I'm pretty active as well. Honestly, I'm just always on the internet. If you search for my name, you'll find me, Ariel Nisimblat.
1: Love it. And uh, this podcast is also available on. Well, this podcast isn't available on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Uh, instagram and tiktok all of them are at tom meets people and if you want to watch this and laugh at my face uh, we're also on youtube uh, and just search for tom meets interesting people and you will find us there Ariel, i really do appreciate this time that you've spent with me i appreciate you putting up with my asinine questions thank you
0: never not asinine (laughs)